Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. Welcome back to The Great Unlearn podcast. Today's guest, Laura Ko, has been a friend of mine for over 20 years. And though I've known her since the late 90s, Laura and I actually hadn't connected for several years when one day she reached out for some advice. Now, we discuss what that conversation was about on the podcast, so I'm going to leave you with that as a teaser. So tune in to find out more. In any event, Laura wears many hats. She's an author of a book called Emotional Obesity, and she has another book in the works. She hosts the Art of Authenticity podcast and was such a gracious host that she invited me on for a great conversation. And that got the ball rolling for this podcast that I'm hosting now. So thanks for that, Laura. She's also an amazing coach that I've worked with for the probably the past year and a half. She has many tools that she can utilize and knows how and when to use each of them. And now, and while we don't discuss at length on the podcast, I do want to acknowledge the support and the challenge and the nudging and the just straight up belief that Laura has had in me and my mission since we started working together. It's not lost on me that people like Laura and there are other people out there, you know who you are, you supported me, you pushed me, you held me up when I had the self-doubt, when it was, sometimes it was a flickering self-doubt and sometimes it was simply raging. But there were times when I think we can all appreciate that we're just not sure. And sometimes we just need someone to support us up a little bit until we get back on that path. And so Laura was one of those people who really showed up for me. And I just want to express my gratitude because we really didn't get to talk about it on the podcast. But uh, I would certainly be remiss if I didn't didn't mention that. So um, in in. One of the things about Laura, she has this unique ability, maybe more unique than any coach I've ever worked with, to tap into someone's true essence. And I felt like she really understood my true essence. One of the tools she uses is something called the Akashic Records. It's another thing we discuss on the podcast. We'll also link to it in the show notes. But in my opinion, it's frigging fascinating and has a little to do with what the conversation, the original conversation was where she was asking for advice. And so it all kind of ties together. But anyway, tune in to find out more. Once again, I want to thank everyone that is feeling called to support this show, whether it's through subscribing to the podcast, leaving a five-star rating and review, you're engaging on social media. I'm there. I'm present. I'm excited. I love the comments. I love the feedback. It seems like it's connecting with a lot of different people. And I love that. And that really lights me up. And so keep them coming. I'll keep engaging and I'll keep bringing on great guests to share their story and their wisdom. And do not, I mean, do not forget to sign up for my upcoming monthly newsletter set to be released later this month. It's going to have a ton of great content and don't worry it's going to be easily digestible. I'm being very intentional with the format so that when you get it, 
you can peruse it, find out what grabs you, what you're called to, and stay with that. And you don't have to pour through three, four, five pages of paragraphs to figure out what the hell I'm talking about. So it's going to be a ton of great content. And I promise it will be a fun read for you. And I think you're going to learn something too. Sign up for that newsletter at thegreatunlearn.com or through my Instagram bio link tree button. So go to Instagram, click my bio, and there's a link tree button. Hit that and you can go right to the different buttons and you can sign up for stuff, subscribe, and do all that good stuff. And as I had mentioned last week on Matt's podcast, I'm going to be hosting an exclusive and intimate men's retreat here in Austin, April the 17th to the 19th. More details to come, but be sure to sign up for the retreat-specific updates on the website. And also, I'm hoping, hopefully within the next week, to record a podcast, a bonus episode with Matt that we'll release maybe on a Thursday or Friday that will just be retreat-specific. We'll talk about our attention, our intentions with the retreat and what kind of practices we're going to introduce to the guys and, and, and just a lot of, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fodder for what that weekend's going to look like. And so, uh, again, be on the lookout for that. And that's it. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Appreciate you having me. This is the most beautiful environment. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, we're, we're trying to make it homey uh, yeah. and uh, inviting. But I, I do think, uh, we were talking about this earlier, the best place for us to start is maybe uh, how we reconnected. We were friends back in the late 90s, I guess, in Chicago is when we met, just mutual yeah. friends, and um, went many years without seeing each other. I think we ran into each other once in Chicago, and then from then, hadn't really spoken. And then this fall... Can I start with a story about you in the t- when you're in your 20s? <laughs> oh, sure, sure. No, no. I won't. I mean, there's a couple. Of, no, <laughs> we we were out in a few bars. I think. We were. That was the old. That was the good old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we were. We met in Chicago, and I I was trying to think. Hal, did we did we connect from our twenties until I made that phone call, or I I don't remember if we spoke. I want to say I it just ran into you one time in Chicago. It was years ago. You had Nate at the time. Yeah. But it was like in a store high by. Do you remember that? In now? the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, real fast. But Nate was young. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we lost connection. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody I always thought fondly of, though. I don't think it was, there was no reason, right? No. Some people, you just, life kind of ebbs and flows in different directions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I love how we reconnected because I don't know if I told you the full story, but I was. Um, I was in a bit of a rut because I had written a book and I had a podcast and I felt really good about everything. Things were flying, you know, the the podcast was doing really well. And then I don't know if you've worked on something where there's like this uh, sense that you've gotten to the end and you can't put your finger on it, but there, this body of work that I had started was feeling like it was coming to a natural close, right? 18 years as a trader. That's, that was where I came to. We talked about David data, that whole idea that you're coming to the close of this project. And for me, it was an 18 year trading career where I was deeply connected to the people 
in the organization to my identity as a trader. But I was in this place where it was like really hard for me to show up every day because I felt like I was faking it. Yeah. I was a partner. And here I am just trying to make it through to kind of do enough where like I'm uh, performing my partner partnerly duties, but just felt really um, inauthentic with that. And so I, I know, yeah. I know the feeling. Yeah. And it's hard to put your finger on what that feeling is mm-hmm. um, and, and to honor it. Right. Because there's a, there's a sense I have a good thing going. Um, Shit, why yeah. would I mess with this? Uh, maybe it's me. Um, it's not coming to a natural close. But life has chapters, right? Things you learn what you need to learn or you experience what you need to experience. But I don't know that when things are going well objectively, mm-hmm. there's a reason to stop. And so I think we're in our minds, grind through, keep pushing, right? And that yeah. was your experience with with trading, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That year and a half of grind that I actually needed to go through. I've often thought about it. It's like, oh, it would have been nice to leave earlier because I actually lost money the last year or so <laughs> I was there, right? Yeah. But I needed to actually go through that, kind of have that painful existence of being super uncomfortable to realize that it was time for me to go. Yeah. And then when that notion hit me, we've talked about this. The hard thing would have been to stay. Like I knew I had to leave. And on the outside to what you're talking about with your experience, like, why would I give up all these things? Someone looking from the outside, why would you give up this job? You're a partner. You're with your best friends building this thing. Yep. Because that's just part of it. That's the outside. That's not actually what I'm feeling. Right. And and that's the key thing, right? To, to connect to uh, what you're feeling, what that experience is for you, and to honor it, right? Mm-hmm. And not listen to the noise about the accolades, the the way in which there's success still to come, that your your fear of missing out, all these different things yeah. start to kick in, or or fear of I don't know where I'm going. So mm-hmm. why would I stop something if I don't have a, a plan, you know, yeah. plan B. And so I had done this work on authenticity. I'd worked so hard to find something that I've felt passionate about, right? I had done a business and I loved being an entrepreneur, but I didn't love the space I was in. And now I had what I loved and I'm writing books and the podcast is amazing. I'm coaching clients. Um, And yet there's this sense, right? That there's a closure coming and I don't know what that is and I'm trying to honor it. So unlike the last time when I left my business where I did what you did and I just kept pushing and grinding and forcing my will on the universe, right? Like, I'm going to make this happen. Um, I I stopped, I paused and I recognized, oh, here it is again. And, and so I thought I had finally learned the idea of surrender. Yeah. Uh, right. Hmm. And I hated the word surrender because that had meant to me before giving up. Yeah. But now I knew it's like um, the wisdom to know that there's something bigger than me happening and I need to honor that and explore it. So I I stopped. I stopped writing. Um, I podcasted less. I still had my coaching clients, but I had a lot of free time all of a sudden. And you know, as a writer, you have to wait for creativity to come. Mm-hmm. It's a different life than business where you can just keep pushing, pushing, mm-hmm. pushing. Creating and right. Yeah. So after about two years... I was 
so frustrated and so sick of this waiting that I had mulled over. Maybe I'm in the wrong thing. Maybe I should start another business. Maybe I should just do something again, right? And I remember (laughs) (laughs) you had left trading and you had found a passion business. You know, the Phoenix Rise with the new uh, Pro Fitness League. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to reach out. Cal's going to tell me how to like get it back together again. Yeah. (laughs) I killed that second chapter, allegedly. (laughs) Right. Like I'm going to kick my own ass, get it in shape Mm. and like, and, and, and make it quote happen again. Um, And so I made the the phone call uh, (laughs) out of the blue with that singular intention. And I get on the phone and I mean, literally the opposite. You're telling me how you um, had gone off the grid, right? And spent the last year and a half accepting that you didn't have all the answers. So it was like the universe literally was like, nice try, but no, you're you're not going to get that answer. And it was was such a great learning experience for me because before, really, I would argue before that phone call, um, I was... Not a necessarily a one size fits all guy, but I had solutions. I was more of a solutions person. Like you came to me, like you did, like, hey, this is what's going on. It's like, okay, just go go do this. But in this case, I think because I had gone on my a bit of my own journey and gone inward and and just seen the benefits of of just sitting with what was going on and paying attention. I just listened to what you were saying and it made so much sense to what I was going through. And so rather than just suggest that you need to push through like I would have before, right? I understood that mentality. It was just clear to me that you were doing exactly what you needed to be doing, that this was a challenge for you. This was like your great teacher, right? Because for so long you've pushed through and for so long I had pushed through. And I was like, when I stopped pushing through, it felt really frig. It was uncomfortable in the beginning, but it felt really good after a while. It's like, oh, I don't need to do all those things because those aren't even my things. Those are these ideas of of how I'm supposed to be as a man, as a husband, as a dad, as someone who was a trader, as someone who did this, like all the different identities that I was wrapped up in. When I started to, to, to kind of let go of those, a good friend of mine, Ted Decker, had said to me once, just imagine if all the roles that you play, all the identities, everything that you are attached to, if you just let go of them, you didn't have to be any of them. Like, how, how would that feel? And it was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> First of all, was, let me digest that question, right? I and mean, it's like, I, could, I almost like you can't think about it intellectually, right? You just have to feel that. And it's just like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, how do I even get to that point? I'm not sure, but I know that there's some deep wisdom there because I felt it in my body, like everything relaxed. And that means that before I heard that, I'm not relaxed. And yeah. so there's some shit going on that I need to sort out, right? And it's just sitting with me and my stuff and being uncomfortable in the stillness and the silence and the not producing, achieving, checking about like all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because being busy, uh, pursuing, getting successes, they're gratifying. Mm. And there's a way in which it helps your identity 
um, I've done this thing and now it's in the world. And and again, it's important, right? I, I don't believe we just want to like check out and not do anything and think about it all the time. I do think there's mm-hmm. a huge value in taking what we have and bringing it forward. But the challenge is how to do that without um, becoming those labels that the world puts on us. Mm-hmm. I'm a... I was an entrepreneur and then I became a writer and now I'm not writing. So what am I? (laughs) You go create a business or then you're not an entrepreneur anymore. Something, right? And so I was struggling with that lack of identity and who are you, you said, without those masks, without those various things. Um, So it, you know, it took me, I actually made a business card and it said writer. (laughs) So I could I didn't have business cards anymore from my business. So, yeah. right. Like and I'd walk around and people were like, do you have a card? I'm like, I do. It's like a little typewriter. And it was cute. It said writer, but it helped me to own that. This isn't just a hobby. It's like something I really, uh, you know, want for myself. But then there's a line where that becomes an identity structure. And then who am I, if I'm not writing? Oh, I'm failing. Cause I'm not writing. Oh, you're not doing anything. And I think this is the, um, I don't know what to call it. Like, I don't want to say the most important, but it's such an important thing to track which parts of yourself are moving or labels that are placed on us to give structure to our life and which ones are core to who we are, Mm. right? And which ones, when we wake up in the morning, it's like, this is just my essence. This is just me in the world and Mm. I can't even put words to it. And which Mm. ones are the things I do and how I show up and, it, you know, um, the mastery series, mastery of love, mastery of self. I don't know if you've checked those out, but he talks about the masks we wear. Ruiz. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Not enough though. He talks about what you're saying, the masks, right? We put on the mask of you're the husband, mm-hmm. you're the the father, um, you're, you're the traitor, you're the athlete, wh- whatever it is. But to know that the mask goes on and the mask comes off, that there's nothing wrong with those masks, right? What's only wrong is when we can't take them off mm-hmm. and remember mm-hmm. who we are without them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, those identity crises, <laughs> right, which I was in again, For right? sure. I, and I was oh, in the middle right. of my, maybe coming yeah. through it a little bit more. I had resolved it a little bit and understood, like I have gone through the painful piece of like, oh, I'm not like any of these things. And that's kind of scary. Cause what am I holding on to? And it's like, it's just me. Yeah. And who, who is that? underneath all that. Yeah. And listen right? to the vocabulary. It's just me. Right. Yeah. Well, which is, that's the best part. <laughs> right. Eventually, but it's terrifying at first. That's right. right? Because, um, there's almost, um, for me, it was this sense of lack and I'm not sure exactly. I mean, I've been trying to turn that over and where does that come from somewhere in my past? I felt like I wasn't enough. Right. And so like, yeah. Uh, now I'm this and I'm that and I can attach to these identities. And so I'm this. Yeah. So now I can move forward and feel good, but it's all kind of bullshit because those are just things, identities. Yeah. It's not, as you said, me, just me. We're parents. Our children have their essence. Mm. Right. And we both know that they're not the thing they do when they're young. They're them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the most valuable, beautiful part about them. And then as we grow up, we are given all of these titles and identity structures. And that becomes 
how people speak about you and how you interact and introduce yourself into the world. Mm. I mean, every dinner party. So what do you do? Brutal. Right? Not who are you? Right. And Especially when you're like, for me, I wasn't doing anything. I was so embarrassed to say I was retired because I had judgment around that. Sure. I didn't like the way it sounded probably from someone in my past who uh, came across like a dick because he was super proud of being retired at a young age. And I'm like, <laughs> I was embarrassed about it. Right. It was so weird. But, uh, but then I didn't know how to introduce myself. What do you do? I, I, you know, there was nothing. Yeah. It's like, but to your point, it's like, who are you? And, and a good friend of mine said that when he meets someone, he likes to say, what's new with you? It's like, oh. damn, that's brilliant. Yeah. You know what, Cal, I'm just thinking, so our boys, I, I brought my, my son here, um, to everybody listening, but I, I was just thinking our boys just met today. Mm. I don't think they sat down and said, so what do you do when you're not at school? So what are your hobbies? What are your interests? And they didn't connect over that. They went outside and played. Yeah. Yeah. They looked at each other and went, uh, what do you, what do you have to play with? And then they just sat in each other's essence while they played and got to know each other by just doing and being near each other. And if I said at the end of tonight, so, uh, what were Cal's kids? What are, what are their interests? <laughs> like, so true. They don't care. They care about the person, right? And the interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Where do they go to school? Yeah. What kind of grades do they get? It's like all that kind of. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the line, that shifts. And we tell each other what we do. And from that comes meaning. Oh, yeah. uh, you're retired. Well, you think judgment of it. Somebody else is feeling judgment of themselves because they might not have money to ever retire mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. And the exchange of just the spiritual essence of who we are. When did, when do we get that opportunity? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, uh, for me, part of my growth has been able to articulate that, um, to be able to say that I'm retired and not feel the pangs of like uneasiness yeah and just to realize that that was my own bullshit it wasn't because of anybody else that i felt that way and just to say it as matter of fact now the beauty is is i'm working on other things now and so i don't have to sit with that (laughs) because it's still i'm not entirely over it but i can say it right but it's it's one of those things um i think part of the reason i had judgment with this because because I never felt like when I left my job that I was going to be done. And I didn't want it to seem like, oh, I'm just done pursuing whatever. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to, you know, I would try to say, well, I'm in kind of a, uh, uh, a learning phase or I'm trying to figure out what the next chapter is. It was a classic and it just seems so weak. But that's what's interesting to me is that you had to give an explanation, right? And the thing is you were exploring. I don't think you're retired, nor did you next chapter. I just think you were exploring in the unknown. And it's hard to believe yourself in that space without putting a structure around it so that you and other people can be comfortable. Is that fair? Well, it's so, it's, it's okay. So what that brings up for me, and yes, I agree with you a hundred percent. And, and what it takes me into is this, this notion of, uh, having to know. Yeah. All right. And we've talked about this, like this, 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 Krishnamurti. right. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and yeah, exactly. Like, like Krishnamurti says, like, there's so much about 
us that's that we or us the world that is unknown and and we're so uncomfortable with that or i was so uncomfortable with that that when i finally understood that i didn't know that much and that was really good i started to let go of all these things that i thought i had that either i believed in and had to defend my ideas around them because i didn't believe them but i had said at some point that this is how i felt whether it's a political thing or or whatever the the idea is you know i'm attached to that versus just always being in flow of ideas coming in and having the opportunity right and reserving the right to change your mind yeah because i mean things aren't are not fixed right i mean i don't know for people who are explorers people who are growing learning I don't think every day I'm the same person. I don't think every month I'm the same person. Certainly not every year and decade mm. over decade. Forget it, right? Like there's there's no comparison. And so to know, to know, um, to know, I'm going to stay in this relationship for for 50 years. To know, I'm going to move into this house and this will be the house that I die in. <laughs> to to know that. I found my life's passion. I really did, but like, oh, it's there's body of works, right? Like it's not a singular thing, even in that. So mm. I don't know. And and maybe, maybe I've found this and that I'll find something else. I mean, I, I but the discomfort of the mm. uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? Um, what does it mean when we don't have things that we can say for sure in our life, right? Um, and we're just literally in that exploration phase. There's something so unnerving about that, right? And it probably goes back to our childhood in freaking school. Right. If you didn't know, you felt like an idiot. And the person who had all the answers, they were the ones and they were the yeah. star of the class. And, and I think we carry that with us. Yeah. Unfortunately, for a long time. And we think that we have to know the answers. And if we don't, we bullshit like I said, we pick a side and, um, and, and what happens? We get painted into a corner and we're defending shit we don't even believe anymore. Yeah. But we said it and maybe we said it really like emphatically. So we, we really, maybe at a point we believed it. Yeah. And I felt like that with a lot of the training I was doing. When I was doing CrossFit, it was the best thing. Everybody should do it. That's it. <laughs> right? And it's like, whoa, I was wrong. Uh-huh. Not because CrossFit is bad. But because it's not what everybody needed at that point, but uh-huh. that was my kind of one size fits all. You know, it wasn't until I moved into later life and I started to experiment with myself. And as we talked about, I got on the Peloton and loved it. And it's like well, this is very far from CrossFit, yeah, right, or that type of bodybuilding or whatever the the method is. But I understood this brought me a lot of joy. Yeah, and if that's what it's doing, because a big part of life, in my opinion, is play. Like if I can incorporate play into my training practices, well, that's pretty good. But if I'm doing something because I think it's what I'm supposed to do, because I saw someone who looks super ripped and fit and I want to look like him. Yeah. Well, that's not what I want to do. You know, I'm chasing this thing that's not really aligned with, with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, Right there, take that conversation and just keep, I think, moving backwards, right, mm-hmm. into this um, collective consciousness, this dream of knowing that we're all brought into. And what happens when you're young and you're unwilling to adapt to 
these truths, you know, this is the answer and this is what, you know, school, I will get Fs. Well, what if you just get Fs the whole way through? Well, then you won't get a job. And if you're, and then what are, and your parents, what's going to happen there? They're going to stop loving you (laughs) and people will not, right? Like you'll have no place in society if you don't accept that this is a glass container and you call it something else, right? That is not acceptable, Mm -hmm. right? So the knowing, right? It's, it's important in our um, ability to be part of culture and normative values. And it is, it's how we communicate and we Mm -hmm. function in the world. But then you get stuck in these strict Peloton bikes and CrossFit and you, you know, I did yoga and I'm like, everybody needs to do yoga. (laughs) Everybody. Like I, like I became, and I was like, Oh my God, I'm like a Jesus pusher. Like, what am I doing? I'm like everywhere. I'm just like, you know, like this is the answer to life. And it is for me at that point, it was an incredibly opening, spiritual awakening, but that might not be the journey that somebody else is on. Right. And so I believe we're here for lessons. I believe we're here to keep learning and growing. And that path that I'm on included yoga at that moment and not for you, right? And so there isn't a singular way or knowing or right answer, but we're just, we're so determined to get there, right? Because it's, it, so much is on the table if if you don't, right? It, it, I think it goes way past um, our comprehension. And if you trace a kid back and watch how seriously we take them knowing the right answer and, mm. you know, what parents will do if they don't and what culture does if if you refuse, they'll put you in an institution. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fear. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's funny. The, the one thing I wanted to touch on is you thinking once you started doing yoga that everybody needed to do it. I'm sure you shared that opinion with a lot of people. Oh my God. Much like I did with CrossFit and I did with, with the way to eat and this and that. And I have looked back on that period and been embarrassed. Like, dude, <laughs> oh my God, you were insufferable. And me and my buddies laugh about it because we were all like that. Yeah. But here's the thing. I had to go through that. You had to go through that to see what it felt like to be that opinionated for what someone else that you had no idea yeah. really what they needed, but you, yeah. you have really good intentions. This is something you loved and ev- you want everybody to have the experience. Right. But it's not nuanced. This is black and white. And so to, you know, I could tell you about that, that you shouldn't do that. But until you really go through that, until I really went through that and lived that experience of telling everybody the fuck they should be doing, <laughs> Right. And sometimes not as, as subtly as, as maybe I should have, but, and again, go through that period. It's like, Oh, that's cringeworthy. Like, I can't believe that was me, but that was me. And I own that. That's always going to be part of me. And Cal, you know, I mean, just flipping the way you say it, um, which is what I try to do now, this is like been paradigm shifting for me, right? Like lately, you know, I'm into these Akashic records. They're Mm. blowing my mind. The old Laura would have been, everybody needs to have a reading. You know? like, Just for a moment, can you give a, a description of what Akashic Records are? Sure, sure. Um, so I got introduced to this a year and a half ago. It's a um, 
Akasha is the energy force, life force, people might say. Um, it is the energy of um, your soul's journey over m- many, many, many lives. It's the singular source of energy that we come from. And an Akashic record reading is um, somebody has the ability, like a medium can connect to past people who have passed away. The Akashic record reading is somebody's ability to tap into that energy and bring out information from your your soul's source energy in a way that's for your highest good in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that intuition, that kind of sense of, um, I don't know why I have this weird feeling. I had, I, had, I had this weird feeling that I needed to move and I kept saying I need to move into a modern minimalist apartment and I don't know what that is, but you have these moments in life where you know you need to change relationships or you know you need to date that person or you know you need to be somewhere or not somewhere or whatever that experience is. The records um, help to organize that and speak to it in a way that's you know very profound and and it's it's your record so it's specific. So it gives some context around that maybe the intuition of like I know I need to be doing this I'm just not sure why and then the the yeah. records kind of fill in the blanks a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that that and and then why am I not? What is in the way? What is the fear? What is the mm. thing? Why is this important to me? What's the lesson that's in front of me that that is bigger than while I was saying I needed to change apartments it was a broader conversation about the change that I needed to kind of open up a new chapter of my life, right? So we're looking at the world through very practical lenses of, you know, the job, everybody, I want my job. I want the perfect relationship. I The relationship in, I just want to break through the problems we're having. But underneath it is uh, spiritual growth and lessons that we're here to learn. And that's what it kind of brings home and helps you understand, oh yeah, that's right. I'm just having fear or um, that experience is uh, meaningful to me because I am, I'm ready for something new. And um, and, and so it, it, it speaks to things at a much deeper, wise level that intuition uh, is, is a feeling, but it's hard to put the right vocabulary around. Mm-hmm. So I started doing them and they they um, were incredible for me and and so much so that I trained on how to do it for other people. And then, you know, the old me would have said, everybody needs to start their day with an Akashic record. <laughs> you know, I always wanted to have my coffee and a reading every day because it was just that profound. But what I've learned is to switch that and talk about my own experience and how powerful it is for me. And if that resonates with somebody, then they will choose to step forward in it because um, I think we do exactly what we need in every moment, um, Push being pushed into workouts at the level that you were suggesting mm-hmm. isn't right for everybody in that moment or the diet, you know, that you're willing to, to um, hold yourself to, right? That, that's, that might have made sense for you and your buddies, but like somebody else just needed to add some vegetables, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's where they were. And mm-hmm. and so I think um, sharing the information without the judgment or, right? Like I used to, how could you not want to do yoga? Like yeah. what, what, are you, <laughs> what are you doing for work? Really? You're running or you, but what, but that's like, so when you said that, like just putting it out there, cause it's not like now all of a sudden I don't talk about it, right? You don't talk about yeah. anything because of that experience with yoga, because you were telling everybody to do yoga. It's that now it's said in a different way. It's, it's presented like, this is something I'm doing. That's been really helpful for me. 
Yeah, and Period. if that resonates with you, then you should look into it for yourself. And if I resonate with you, then you should call me. But like, right, uh, coaching yeah. and the records in my book and the podcast, like only if that resonates with you. And that's why I think all the voices out there, I heard this at the beginning. I don't know if I said this to you before, but people would say to me when I started writing my book, because um, I had that, oh, everything's been said. I've been studying philosophy since I was like 16. And I'm like, what do I have to add to this? And, mm. you know, everything important has been said and it's been said better than me. There's Plato, there's, right, like mm-hmm. Aristotle. What am I going to add to this conversation? And somebody said to me, you know, everybody's voice is valuable. <laughs> My first reaction from an educated home and the environments I've been in was like, maybe not. <laughs> No, I believe that. <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch, but okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, like it, that didn't resonate with me. And years later, I was like, oh, right. Like uh, the messenger at the time and the way that they say it, the experiences they're having, the turn of phrase, the the unique quality of like how they experience those situations and say them back into the world that resonates with a certain group of people. And so, I mean, I know for myself, I love a body of work and then somebody else's and somebody else's. And it's like, oh, this is really speaking to me right now. You know, Krishnamurti was like killing me for a while. Loved it, right? And then it got a little heavy and I wanted Mm -hmm. something lighter and all the the four agreements stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. just really resonated. And so, you know, different voices at different times. And um, so I, yeah, I believe that I, um, putting it out there into the world in the way that um, you feel resonates and allowing people the opportunity to um, experience that or pass on it, right? But it's well, not my job to... <laughs> right, and so yeah. then you don't feel attached to like them doing it or not yeah. doing it, right? If they do it and then they it, they don't succeed, then you feel something or they feel... There's all this weird energy, but what would pose this to you, because this has been my experience is, when I've had that approach and it's, it's been now a good year, year and a half where I've just tried to be open. I've noticed that I'm connecting with people on a much different level and they're interested in some of the things that I've been exploring because I'm not shoving it down their throat, their throat. Right. I'm just, I'm open receiving, not judging. This is what I've been working on. It's been pretty cool. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Right. It becomes like a conversation starter. Yeah, because um, I've been on the other side of somebody pushing something towards me when I'm not ready or interested. It's not resonating. It's uncomfortable. I mean, you know, it, it. it's actually almost a boundary problem. It's Mm -hmm. actually feels a slight like violation of, you know, who are you to know what I need today in my life? Right. That's a strange experience. But if somebody is feeling joy in their own right, I want to know what that's about. (laughs) Yeah. Like I think that's been the experience, right. It's just having this lightness, this play, this energy, and so people are more curious, right? I'm not walking around like buffed up and like. But it's also a more authentic thing, Cal, don't you think? Because um, if you're if you're not trying to convince somebody or right uh, push what you have out into the world, and it truly is then for you and your own joy and lightness and play and experience and back to our boys hanging out, there's something then 
there's a gravitational pull for people to come together or not, right? But that um, there's something more authentic and real in those moments. Because if you just, I mean, we've all met people who seem happy, who seem joyous, who seem contented mostly, right? Like they're not... um, uh, oh, I, I read this book. Oh, you have not read that? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> there's no judgment. Yeah, well, you don't know that person? <laughs> yeah, you never heard of the four agreements? Oh, dude, you're sorry. not woke. Yeah, sorry about that, right? Yeah, right. But if it's, oh my God, I've read this and I'm I'm losing my mind. This is so exciting. And these are the things I took out of it. Again, if that resonates, you know, I think you'd want to check it out. At least that's what my experience is, right? Mm. But if somebody tells me that that's what I need... Yeah, that whole sales pitch. Again, it, it can't help but get a little cringy thinking about it. Yep. Because, you know, and it's, again, it's a great reminder of like where I was. So it's important to remember that and to honor that and to know that that's a part of me. Yeah. Right? That yeah. I am capable of, that I'm capable of everything, right? We're all, yeah. I think we're all capable of all things. We just suppress the urge to do things, which is, I think, good in, in, yeah. in, in a lot of cases. But um, but really being okay with that and giving yourself, you know, showing yourself some kindness around that, I think is really important. Yeah. Um, you know, Cal, too, I feel the internet space, since that's where this is headed, in particular, you and I have talked about it a little bit, but it's, you know, it's filled with people telling you what you need to feel better about yourself and the 12 step program or three steps or the one thing or the four things. And it just, I think is such a disservice to people because, um, it's, it's like, a um, those fake pyramid schemes, right? Yeah. The, uh, the Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Because yeah. I've, I've figured it out. Oh, you want to know? Give me five thousand, ten thousand dollars, and and then I'll tell you the secret. And yeah. then wait, I actually didn't figure anything out. I just figured out if I say that, you're all going to pay me a lot of money. And now I have a lot of money, and I just keep saying, "Well, I have all this money. I made six figures. I made seven figures." Well, because you said you had a secret, but you don't really. It's just that you're telling people you do. It's this absolute joke out there, <sighs> and so many people are doing it. And I mean, I don't know, Cal, but you've had a lot of success in your life. Nothing in my life has come out of three steps or 12 steps. I don't know what that even means, right? No, it's so true. And um, we, I know we've talked about this, but it, it's like, and it's weird to say that I'm inspired by this because it's kind of, you know, these, and it's probably going to come up a lot in, in, in these conversations, but I just see a lot of men out there, public figures that have this hyper-masculine approach. And it's this 10-step program. It's it's, this, it's that. They don't share really um, the pain and the struggles. And they're not authentic. And they're not really telling you. They're they're putting on a a big show about what they have. And they don't really have those things. Yeah. It's a really kind of lacks this authenticity. And that's, that's really one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I didn't have men like that as um, mentors or, or those authentic voices out on social media that were doing this. Now, as I'm starting to do this work, I'm seeing more of them out there and it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, and we need a lot of, of men doing this work is it's a um, it's an area where um, 
it, again, it's being driven by a, a lot of men who have been really successful within these businesses, yeah. right? And they're great orators and they have this great energy. And, you know, there are some great principles within what they're doing. I'm not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but at the same time, it's really hard for a lot of people. And, and again, I, I focus on men, but men to to reverse engineer this success by doing what this guy did. It's not reality. And like you said, I I didn't do that. You didn't do that. People I know, they just followed what their intuition or their heart or their hard work and they grinded and they went through the different steps to get to where they are. But there's no formula, right? No, it's, I mean, I teach uh, prioritization of bear with me. Prioritization of projects, right, is a thing yeah. that comes up because I ran a business. Um, people want to know with a huge company, how did I keep track of things? Um, how did I deal with projects? How did we deal with vision to, to managing all the projects, right? There are some templated answers to that stuff, right? I could, I could teach that on a regular basis and I would probably say mostly the same things. How did I sell a company? How did I get the success that I got specifically? I do not have a clue how to answer that question. So I think to me, the packaging of how much you're getting from that experience um, of the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. So I think, right, like if if somebody came to you and said, I want to get in great shape, there's some formulaic things to start to do. Um, Don't eat chips every night, right? Ice cream has probably got to go, but yeah, <laughs> mostly, yeah. but um, the, the, the discipline and how do you wake up on the days that you don't want to do it? And how do you push through to those next levels? And I mean, all the nuance of, right, getting into shape, staying in shape, um, finding the exercises that work in your body, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just taking a couple of stabs on it from a physical perspective. Sure. It's not what I do, but yeah. I, I don't know how to package that in a, in a little program. So I think people oversell the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the, um, the thing I've become a bit leery of is that, that whole thing, that packaging of this is, if this is where you want to go here, here, here's the thing you need. And this is going to do it for you. Yeah. And by the way, it's me at a very high price. It's yeah. usually what people are saying. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast um, yesterday, um, Naval um, Ravikant on Joe Rogan. And uh, one of the things he talks about is he, he, he has some of these philosophies and he put them out. He started out like a Twitter, like 36, 38 deal on Twitter, like tweets. Um, with all these things. And then he has a little podcast where he talks about each tweet for like three or four minutes. Okay. Right. He does some other things. He has a website and that nice, but I don't charge anybody for it. Like all my stuff is free because if I'm charging you for that, then it loses like why I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, this is something I'm trying to upgrade the human experience yep. through what I've learned. Right. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and you know, someone would argue, well, he doesn't need the money. He's, super wealthy. And, but it's like, you know what, his principles are sound. And, and, in and I guess the flip side of that is if someone's charging you a shit ton of money for these five step, 12 step, this whole deal, like the red flag needs to come up, right? Like, is this really about them wanting you to get better? Or is it really about them trying to create their own wealth yeah. through, on your back? 
And Cal too, I mean, I don't know. I'd be curious what your view of it is, but I, I guess I wonder why you're asking what it is that you're asking them for in that question. Are you coming to somebody legitimately to learn a few tricks and some tools knowing that that's what it is, right? It's a, it's a subset of things and people have a ton to offer or is it fear or lack within yourself that you're trying to get to the other side of? Sure. Um, because I, I think if you're coming legitimately to learn a few, if I came to you and said, Cal, teach me 10 things to like, you know, mm-hmm. take my body to a whole new level. Here's where I'm at. Help me out. I think you'd have so much to offer. But if I came to you because I'm so insecure that I'm not where I need to be, and I can't even get started in this process because um, there's all these insurmountable, like th- the outcome of what I want feels unattainable mm-hmm. and I'm never mm-hmm. going to get there. And and then I'm just going to blindly say yes to everything you say, even though I know in my heart of hearts, Laura, you need to jog at five in the morning. I don't, I'm not going to jog five in the morning, right? Like I can't even acknowledge what I will or won't do. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what I wonder about is um, often when we look to others for models for success, um, you know, is it coming from fear or lack or is it coming from, you know, a place of interest and knowledge? Yeah. And I don't want to be misunderstood either because it made it sound like no one should pay for anything ever. Like, <laughs> like for sure there are, teachers out there that are worth their time and it's expensive and for sure spend time with them to learn, you know, their, you know, maybe it's their, their craft, their energy. You know, I think the, the one, one person for me that comes to mind is Peter Crone. And, um, I've seen him on the heel documentary. He was on the broken brain podcast. Um, and the podcast blew me away. And it's like, for me, kind of everything, it felt like everything that he was saying was the work that I want to do. It was really inspiring to me. And so what I'll probably do is spend some time, I will spend some time with him because I want to learn more about this whole process. He's been in it for 20 years. Yeah, I'm just kind of digging into it. He's a true teacher, Yeah, you know, and the way he articulates it, how it resonates with me. And so... For men like him, for people like him, again, like, yes, spend your money with those that truly inspire you, not the ones that are, you know, have the flashy website where it looks like, you you know, they have all this kind of uh, this service offering at this X, you know, whatever the price is. And then all of a sudden you're not really gaining anything. You're just getting some few more steps, but you're not learning, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's, you're following someone else's process. And, and, and I only say this from experience. I've spent a lot of money on bullshit things. Me too. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's and why I, they're still out there is because people like us are continuing to buy it. But I, I think I haven't thought this before saying it to you, but I actually think the reasons that I bought stuff that didn't work was it was coming from a place of fear oh, shit, and a yeah. place of lacking and, you know, oh, I need to get my social media platforms to a certain point. I got to invest into that because I'm not where I need to be instead of, you know, how do I want my platforms to look? What's interesting to me about this? What's not, right? It, it came from a place of lack and not a place of interest. And mm-hmm. so I just I just wonder if like, you know, 
I, I, um, the times where I've spent money, effort, energy, and it's coming from that insecurity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus interest, excitement, joy, like growth opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Those always seem to work. And the ones that come from that other place always seem to lead me into spaces where I'm like, what am I doing here? It's deeply inauthentic. I, d- I don't want this, right? And and I tried now to just honor anything that's coming from that scarcity, that that anxious, insecure spot, right? Just yeah, it's a signaling, right? Yeah. I just sign. I just spent what to sign up for. Oh fuck, dude! Okay, and keep you your shit together, it. dude. Yeah. Like you're yeah. enough. Yeah, <laughs> and you feel it when you're doing it. Yeah, you feel like, that like. I, this is going to be the thing that, you know, uh, fills that void. And, yeah. and yeah. you know, generally I won't follow through on it because it's just a right. bullshit thing. <laughs> right. Right. I'll stop after two weeks. And yep. um, there are, there are many of those uh, littered in my, my inbox, but, um, but what I have noticed recently is, is I've been much more mindful of those areas where I want to spend my, my money, but, but more importantly, my time. Right. And I think that's, been a big shift for me is understanding how important my time is and um the quick fix things i just know now they don't work it's not to say that i'm not going to still sign up for some along the way <laughs> you know i know that that will happen because there will be moments where i'm feeling that like i'm not enough and i'll do this and this yeah. will complete me yeah um and yeah. so there's still iterations of that that i need to work through but ultimately I am seeing how I'm spending my time and my resources. And I feel really good when I look back over the last six, eight months, like very um, mindful of, of, of where I'm going. And really it's for a while, it was about the money, but now I, again, like I understand the time, you know, the time away from my family, you know, Peyton, my wife would always say, when you're choosing this, when you say yes to this thing, you're saying no to something else. So just know that. And for a long time, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. It's like, I didn't, I didn't get it at all. <laughs> I just wanted to go do this thing, right? Because I was chasing something. Uh-huh. That's for a whole nother podcast. Right. But now I understand that when I'm away from my family, like I really want it to count. Yeah. And I don't want it to be some bullshit trip or... Um, chasing something for a sense of lack, right? I want it to be some sort of growth that allows me to come back as a better father, husband, person, friend, brother, you know? um, And Cal, I think what you're saying is so cool because, you know, we're sitting in this beautiful home and you've done so much with your life and you've had a lot of objective successes. And yet, you know, you're, I sign up for this one thing because I don't feel enough, right? And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm going to do it again. And it, I, I think there's some concept that when you get your life into a certain shape or order, that that feeling's going to go away. Um, I've been studying authenticity and working on these topics forever. And, you know, I had to admit to my coach, I think a year ago, I was like, I feel like I need to tell people that I've got it worked out because how can I study this night and day and still not be like, you know, um, like, per, like everything yeah. is aligned and I'm right. But when you, when you hear the Dalai Lama and Thich Nhat Hanh and these great spiritual teachers, they keep saying every breath, I have to keep coming back to my body because my mind takes me away from my truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, 
it's not a solvable problem, I think, in this lifetime. And so it's as a human in the human experience, right? Our, yeah, our totally minds agree. pull us away from that. So I think there is this like very um, um, unfortunate hope in all of us, including myself, that I will at some point get to a place where... <sighs> Completion. I'm there, I'm yeah. peace and the pieces, I'm bulletproof. Everything's going to be water off a duck's back. I'm just going to, right, sure. move through it. Um, but that's not the promise, right? It's it's uh, You will have nice stuff and life will take on a certain level of ease. And the, I think the more you practice these spiritual teachings, um, the more resilient you do come become to, to stuff and you can continue mm. to evolve and grow and take on challenges and push yourself to different levels. But if you do a hundred sit-ups and then a month later you haven't done them, it doesn't stick. <laughs> it's the same right. thing, right? Like if you have a spiritual practice, you have to practice it on a regular basis because scarcity and fear and all these things, right? They, they come back. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't just hold, you know, unfortunately. No, and, 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 and it's a great example with, with the sit-ups, right? Like, there's a million different things that we kind of want to be good at mm-hmm. and have mastery over. Right. And I think the thing that I finally settled into is that there are going to be things that are more um, top of mind for me that are more important for me in a given time. And I'll spend more time with those things. And, and it's okay that the thing that was important to me six months ago kind of falls by the wayside because I've only got so much time and energy around that and yeah. just to be okay with that, yeah. but be in process and be aware and yeah. have that, that sense of evolution through what you're doing. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, that's one of the lessons, the big lessons, as you're saying, it's, it's, we're not going to get to a point where we check the box and it's complete. No. There will be some things that we're awesome at and great and and we're close to that perfection, but we're not perfections like that. Yeah. You know, it's the false god. No, and, and when you think how many emotional states are there, right? Self-doubt, self uh self-worth, um victim, uh right? Like I, I could list a couple dozen in in a heartbeat, jealousy, fear to master all of those in a lifetime, right? Anger, resentments, Come on, it's not so. How many mm. can you master? Um, and you know, put the time, focus, energy in, and, and same thing with your life. Like, how many um, different ways can you move your body? I mean, I get so annoyed because you get great physically at something, and then you go do something else, and you're sore as hell. Like, it doesn't transfer. No. <laughs> it's like, I went and played tennis, and my arm was killing me, and I'm like, really? Like, yeah. How much harder is that than a chaturanga in yoga, but d- slightly different muscles being used. And so I think um, perfectionism, right? Mm-hmm. Looking for uh, an opportunity to get to a place of emotional bliss, physical health, wellness. I, I, I had this like epiphany the other day. It's like, wow, if I master five emotions in a lifetime, that's a lot. Actually, <laughs> you know, like if I get really good at not getting angry or not harboring resentments or something, right? Like that's, those are hard. Really hard. It's really I, hard. I found it's, it's the only one I can really ground into the present moment that I can have some success around those things. And it really, it, it kind of, it all balances on that. And when I have my mind 
you know, that's ruminating on something or it's, it's, it's um, focusing on what I need to be doing next or something I've already done, you know, that future past, all that, that kind of BS. Like I, I, there's no growth. There's no sinking into, you know, time with my kids, my wife, my friends, whatever it is, myself, right. Those mindfulness practices, it, it really, it's all about being here, you know, now as, yeah. as Ram Das would say, but like, that's been such, uh, and it's so tricky because once you start to learn about it, you're like, fuck, it's really hard to be here now a lot. Hardest. But again, back to the kids, right? We were all born able to be absolutely present. It's mm-hmm. the only thing they're extraordinary at, right? They can't cook. They can't, they have no skills in the world, right. but they can be present in the moment without worrying about what's coming and what time dinner is and what happened two hours ago, whatever fight they had with their friend is gone. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think our children are our greatest teachers, but I also feel that all of us have it within us to live in these moments. We've just had it educated out of us mm-hmm. over, you know, our lifetimes and coming back to that Sufism, you know, uh, Rumi, mm. um, there's a beautiful saying that, uh, we're born with a thousand veils over our soul and our life is removing those veils to mm-hmm. get to our truth. Right. And love that. yeah, yeah. I think there's something really beautiful about that. And um, how do we, how do we stay in the present moment? How do we keep our minds from thinking about, you know, where we're not, how we're not good enough. And Marianne Williamson puts it that beautiful way. We're either in the path of fear or we're in the path of love. Right. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes like to just simplify. I mean, um, there's so much to think about with these journeys, but all of those negative emotions, just toss them all under fear, <laughs> all the positive stuff, just put it under love. Like mostly in a day, am I coming from a place of love or am I coming from a place of fear, you know, and, and, and hopefully on balance, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do think our, our children, if we allow them to be, can be our greatest teachers, you yeah. know? Um, and so that's something that I've been working on lately. I know we've talked about a lot and just being present with them and just letting them kind of guide, right? Yeah. And letting them be who they are. And remind us who we are. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, thanks, Laura, for coming. Uh, it's been awesome having you here. Oh my it's God. I could go on for hours with you. This is so much fun. Thank you. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, please check out the show notes or head on over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. Please leave a five-star rating in iTunes as this really helps us spread our message. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BunkerCal and on Facebook as John Callahan. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn and we'll talk soon.